the volume. Hey guys, it's the Sessions presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. There are so many sports to bet on like the NBA, college basketball, PGA Tour. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. And when you win, you get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. The app is safe, secure, and so easy to use. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting, and you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same-game parlay, and try out the same-game parlay plus. So download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Maine. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on this show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, So it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, Just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. Okay, guys, another John session here. I just want to put it out there that we actually planned on recording this last week. And honestly, I kind of wish that we had have just recorded this last week before some drama Rama started to unfold, because now I feel like the spotlight is on you to respond to all of this drama. And I know that you don't really give a shit to respond to any of this drama. But of course, I would be remiss to not ask you about it, (laughs) I guess. Is there anything that you would like to address with all the stuff that has kind of unfolded in the last couple of days on the internet, in the wrestling world? No. Because nothing has unfolded. It's fucking annoying. Just because somebody said some stupid shit on social media, like, that's not news. But it is, and it ends up being a thing. I I don't want to get dragged into this dumb shit. Yeah. I could fucking unload on a lot of fucking people right now. And when I start getting dragged into this shit, it tempts me to do that. 
but I'm not going to fucking sink to that level. But I will say this. I'm just going to give you like a tidbit of information from my point of view. The entire summer, I was not under contract. No contract. Free agent. I was at SummerSlam weekend wrestling fucking Desperado and shit. The day of SummerSlam, fucking suplexed him on a bunch of aluminum cans and shit, cut in half. It was fucking dope. I could have walked in a SummerSlam that night with the AEW fucking belt if I had been so inclined. Nobody knew that because I don't put my shit out there in the world and let everybody know every fucking thing about my business, you know? I was not on a contract. The reason being, if you're curious, because I got a rehab and my contract was coming up, they extended it for the time that I missed. Cool. I'm glad they did, actually, because I didn't want to feel like I owed them anything, you know? So they extended it a little bit. It was coming up. They're talking to me about it. And the last thing I wanted to do when I first got out of rehab, because all they were telling me is like, basically, logic would tell you, you don't go back to wrestling because you're just going to fall into the same old habits, right? So I wanted to just like ease back into it and see what life was like on the other side. And the last thing I wanted to do was just hurry up and sign a big long-term commitment. Because what if, I don't know, what if shit started going off the rails? And, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Pretty quickly, I was like, man, actually being sober is awesome. This is fantastic. I'm having so much fun. I was working with my friends, Blackpool Combat Club, me and Brian and shit. I was like, fucking regal. Like, this is great. You know, and they're talking to me about signing a new thing. And I was like, if everything just stays exactly as it is right now, I'll be here forever. You can pay me in cash in an envelope at the end of the night. I don't give a fuck. But I can't tell you what I'm going to feel like in six months, especially not in three years or five years. And once I make a commitment, then I will push through injuries and I will push myself too hard and I will do all these things that add up and it leads you down the road or whatever. You know what I mean? So I was not in a hurry to make any kind of grand commitments, you know, at first. That being said, during this time period, the night in uh, fucking what's his dicks talking about? It was in Indianapolis, not Indianapolis, Minneapolis. It was the night he came back and uh, was hopping around on one foot, bumping around inner circle or whatever after me and Jericho wrestled in a badass match, by the way. So we're, we're talking later about stuff. Now, keep in mind, at this time, this is my whole point. I basically don't work there for all intents and purposes. I don't even work here. Tony is not my boss. I don't even have to be in this room. I don't have to do shit. So even me being in this room and offering and agreeing to a storyline that puts you over at the pay-per-view, if anything, I'm bending over backwards for Tony and for this dude and for the company and everybody. Because I didn't have to. I didn't have to do shit. If anything... I was bending over backwards. So that's it. Okay. So here's <laughs> here. I've got a couple of like, uh, you know, that's not even controversial. I'm just telling you. No, those are just facts. Those you are know, cut and dry keep facts. Fucking mind. Okay. So my questions to you then just like based off of that, and this doesn't even have anything to do with that situation. That can be the only piece that you say in the situation. Um, 
But this has been sort of a situation for you in terms of like any time there's been a little bit of a, oh, oh, something's happening. Oh, we got to do something. A lot of things have fallen on your shoulders. And I think I think it's pretty fair to say you as one of the the cornerstones of AEW, your run as champion. And I mean, even if you want to go back to the, the pandemic days, but I think specifically you being able to step in if somebody's injured, if someone's in a situation that you have been that guy, what kind of pressure comes with being that guy in situations when you haven't necessarily it's not been planned out, but you step up in those uh, occasions. I mean, that's what a big part of my career has been. You got to be ready to seize opportunities when they rise. I think last time we did this was right before Forbidden Door, when I got slotted into Russell Tanahashi, which turned out amazing. Right. You know, so that yeah. was just an opportunity. Got to be ready for that stuff. So for young wrestlers listening, you know, you got to. You never know what's around the corner. So, you know, be ready at all times, you know? It really is crazy to think of, like, your career and you with things you, like that happening. It's yeah. not just now. It's And, like, I've never, I don't, I've never been, like, it's never been, like, the plan to build everything around me. Right. You know, the only time when it was kind of like that, uh, the pandemic happened and the whole world shut down. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's the only, the only time that ever happened. Right? Yeah, uh, but you know that's does it get like annoying sometimes to be like, you know, if you'd have just fucking gone with me in the first place, like we wouldn't be fucking going through this again. Right, it kind of does, but also like, no, nah, it's all good. Like I don't complain. I see the good in everything, and I'm just so having so much fucking fun, mm-hmm. and like life is so fucking good right now. That I don't want any negative bullshit. Right. Like, how far what's the fucking complain about? You know, like, ugh. And I guess you can kind of like unload on that a little bit of just I mean, like the, the frustrations this, of not even this situation, I mean, I will, but I will say this. And uh, I hate to say I don't think I've ever said anything even remotely negative about AEW, but I will say this as an observer, it seems like, you know, I spent eight years on the Indies, spent a couple years in WWE developmental, spent like eight years in WWE, I have never seen so much bullshit drama in one place in my entire fucking life. I hate to say that, but it's like, and I don't know if it's because of the age of social media, shit gets like blown out of proportion. Like one person types one stupid fucking drunk tweet and all of a sudden it's all anybody wants to talk about. Mm -hmm. You know, like... But also it's like maybe just like a generational thing as well. Like not only the social media aspect, but like people are coming into the business a different way. Um, people seem to be able to behave a certain people just can go into business for themselves, whether they're going on social media and talking about how they're not being booked or, you know, how they're undervalued or whatever, whatever. But it is really crazy. I mean, I think when you really you don't even have to step back to look at it, but like with what has been built with AEW and how special AEW is and the core group of all the people that make up AEW, it's this like wrestling oasis. Yet there's still people that are chipping away that want to like talk shit and sort of disrupt this thing that you guys have all been working really hard to build. Yeah. Like we're sitting up here doing a podcast. You know what we're not talking about? We're not talking about the, fucking stellar match by Kingo and Kenny Omega. Just Ooh, oh my word. 
all the cool stuff going on in AW with the cool shows happening. We're not talking about this great pay-per-view we just had. Yeah, great pay-per-view. You know, we're not talking about anything. We're talking about some bullshit. Like, let me be clear. The vast majority of people there don't cause any fucking trouble. Sure. Bullshit, sure. Know? But they're getting sucked down into the shit. Yeah, yeah. Like everybody else. Yeah. Into the muck. Yeah. You know? There's plenty of people who just want to get better and perform and fucking just do this job, man. It's the best job in the world. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. And I've taken, uh, like, I'm not an official coach. I definitely don't ever want to be a producer, so to speak. So, I mean, I know it's a pain in the ass. But I don't want honestly, to like, you'd be really good at it. I don't want to be an official producer. You don't want to wear the headset. I don't want to wear the headset. I don't want to have to write stuff down and talk to the What if we get guys. you a wireless headset? I like being a coach. Yeah. Right. But I'm not any kind of official capacity of a coach. But I coach people that I think are worth it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'll give time to anybody. But like, you know. Well, some you know, people don't want to actually be coachable or you know people like the idea of yeah and i don't people i don't want to just like, if you're gonna put them over they'll want to sit and work with you but if you yeah know. and like i'm actually like pretty like uh like just my natural uh whatever you want to call it like anti-socialness don't want to <laughs> talk to anybody they're not i don't want to like bother anybody or come off like i'm trying to like Listen up, kid. I'll tell you how to do it. No. Sure, sure. Sometimes I'm like, I watch something and I see something. And I'm like, man, I really want to tell this guy this or this girl this. And I just don't say it to him, even though it could have been something that helped. And then I usually like regret it. Now they'll just come up to somebody and be like, just saying. And I'll usually, and I'll tell people this too. Like, I don't even like the word advice, right? Because advice sounds like something you have to take. I'm just, Throwing ideas. It's a little there. suggestion box. Yeah. I'm just riffing some, uh, you know, ideas and we're just talking. If you don't like my idea or if I go, hey, you should do a backflip and kick somebody in the face. If you're like, I, I think that's stupid, then don't do it. You know, I'm not offended. Maybe it's a bad idea. I don't know. Or like, I'm just. You, you want to collaborate. I love getting the best out of people. And I love when I see things in people that's like dying to get out. And bringing that out like uh yeah who are some of those people give us like some examples oh like marina shafir for example mm -hmm. so much potential there she's the only one of her species we have at aw there is there's nobody else we only have one of her mm -hmm. uh she should it might like i see her wrestling different than everybody looking, talking, acting different than everybody. Cause she has all these, you know, martial arts skills and judo, high level judo and stuff and mm -hmm. MMA experience. And she's such a natural at so much of it, you know, that uh, she's new at the pro wrestling stuff, like the running and ducking and selling and bumping and you know, all that. But uh, I seen her wrestle at blood sport, which we got a blood sport coming up on uh, March 3rd. Ooh, who are you going to wrestle? Big question mark. Alex Coughlin. Oh, was it announced? Uh, one way or another. <laughs> okay. Uh, you should have fought Marina. That would have been yeah. cool. You don't want none of this. Man. <laughs> she whooped my ass. But I seen her wrestle at Bloodsport, and it was like she was a different wrestler that yeah. I've seen working on dark and elevation and stuff like that. It was like she was totally different because she was in her element. Right. She's comfortable. Uh, she wrestled Masa Slamovich, very talented girl. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
she's wrestling barefoot and moving around and like her footwork and you know her kicks and movement and everything was like it's like totally different because she was in her element and i'm like we need to bring that to tv yeah know? and that that just brings a whole new uh kind of element to the division you know so you know just like a suggestion i was like you know in blood sport because you used to wear boots and i was like in blood sport you're wrestling barefoot i'm not saying you just wrestle barefoot if you don't want to wrestle barefoot then don't i don't i don't give a shit it's all good it's whatever but i'm just saying the fact that you were barefoot drew my eyes to your feet and it made me notice how good your footwork was oh okay i like that it it made you look like way more athletic Mm. It like added a whole new dimension. You know, it wasn't just like somebody's difference and somebody's wearing blue boots or red boots. Sure, no, it was sure. like, it like, added. Yeah, it, it just created this whole other dynamic to her. You know, it's just like, hey, a she, different athlete. Yeah, like lately she'd been trying that out, you know. And like there was one of the matches she had. I'm just trying to get her to like just loosen up and just, and she has. And she like works really hard to work on these little things and she goes out there to get better every single time. I was trying to get her to just be loose and just do what she knows how to do. But I was like, you already know how to do everything you need to know. It's just putting it where it needs to go and all these little Mm -hmm. things, you know, and that just takes experience. Right. So one of the matches she had, I think it was with Athena. They actually had a good amount of time. It wasn't just like four or five minutes. Yeah. And uh, once they hit the, you know, halfway through the match marker and they were in a good sweat and were warmed up and started going, you saw her change gears and seeing that, that's what I've been waiting to see. And it's like so subtle and like, I can notice it, but when she got into the zone and changed those gears, I was like, Oh, it pumped me up. It was like, <laughs> like it, gave me a, it gave me a high, like I was in the ring. You know? yeah, yeah. So that's another good thing about coaching is I realized like I could not be able to wrestle yeah. But I could still kind of get that same satisfaction and that same high. Yeah. By helping other people and bringing that out of them. Like she had a match with Revolver and I was there for with Billy Starks and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gave me like the high, like I was in the ring. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> oh man, my body. Like, yeah, so I've been doing a lot of that. That's so. the best. Is there anyone with else guys, in particular like, that you've, been, I know you've been working with Marina quite a bit. Is anybody else? Uh, Coming in, uh-huh. I sent him to Defy and put him in the ring with Rocky Romero, mm. and that gave him like a whole new confidence level. Why is Rocky the guy that you want to set somebody up in the ring with? Because he's a guy that has all the experience in the world and is so good. And people forget because he's you know office sure. rock. People forget how good he is, and you know he's a guy that you can just send somebody in there and go listen to Rocky for 20 minutes mm-hmm. said, just go out there and do what he tells you to do you know we're not on the road Friday, Saturday and Sunday yeah you don't get that other house so somebody, some of these younger guys you know they have a match and it's like oh, okay cool we'll work on this this and this we're not gonna do it again tomorrow night whereas if they had more house shows and they were like working with top guys every single night you can like I was lucky work out that kink yeah like I had lots of experience before I came to WWE realized I didn't know shit about wrestling on TV and all these cameras and that whole game. It's a whole different thing, but I get to work with all the top guys. I was just very fortunate in my position. Yeah. We work with the top guys every single night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That'll fast track. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like a lot of these young guys don't get that. 
So we'll be doing more. So one of my ideas, we'll be doing more house shows. We just started. We just Yeah, let's in. talk about that house show because it was a huge success. You guys drew what, like 3,000 people were in Troy, house. Ohio. And the funny thing for me, and like I wasn't there. I stayed home with the baby. You went out and did your thing. But I was like following everything online and seeing everyone's tweets. Like, I feel like everybody that was booked on the show had a fucking awesome time. Like, it seems like it, I think it actually kind of shocked people to go, oh, this was cool. Yeah, it was a big success for the people that were there and the fans and everything, you know, like, yeah, I don't think could have gone any better. We worked with uh, Cass and Lee Moriarty, you mm-hmm. know, another two guys with, you know, immense potential, you know, and just takes experience and finding those extra little things that make you, you, you know? Uh, yeah. We'll do more of those, you know, and the whole point of that, you know, I think people are probably going to like compare, you know, it's not the same thing as like, we're running in a big market with all our stars, like WWE with for instance. Right. The whole point of this is to just have a place where guys can get reps. Like the idea that I heard initially was like, you'd be kind of like uh, the FCW NXT. Coconut like Coco, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like in FCW, we wrestled in Fort Myers and Crystal Creek or, you know, all these little uh, Florida towns, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, on the weekends. You know, some guys like need that. Another idea that I have been trying to do is just working with other indie companies and uh, sending guys there. Like Defy. On, on their days off, you know, Defy, Revolver, these places. Yeah. And uh yeah, that's helped a lot too for guys, you know, just to give them more, uh, you know, wrestling on TV is totally different than not being on TV. Sure. That's why I do, like, I don't do any because they pay me a bunch of money or anything. I do them because I want that extra practice yeah. to stay sharp, to try things out. There's stuff I do on an indie show that I made up on the spot in an indie show that I did on TV and pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. You know, where I was like, ah, you know, I like being out there. It's kind of like just like a jam session if you're a musician. Right. Just pick up a guitar and start picking, see what happens. You know, uh, I need that. So that's been kind of successful. It's something I've been trying to implement, you know, and uh, with the house shows, if we start doing more of those, that'd be a good thing, too. You mentioned um, Kenny Omega and Vikingo. They obviously had such an insane match um i know you were obviously busy throughout the night did you get have you watched the full match yet also yeah yeah so to see that match and you know i'll be the first to say i I was not really familiar with what i was going to get from vikingo but to watch this match see what these two did and to see the reaction in this like swell of like affection for vikingo and obviously we know how great kenny omega is but there was a lot of rumblings, I guess, of people being like, who's this guy? What is this happening? It, I think that's one of the really cool things about AEW, the way that matches like this can be put together. And then you can sort of build a storyline afterwards, should that be the case that they want to do something. But putting on a match like that and putting on a dream situation like that was really well received. I knew. You knew. As, as I saw that, I went, oh, he's going to blow people's fucking. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've seen him. So I knew exactly you know, what was going to happen. I do attack Kenny afterward, but that totally different thing. Nothing to do with. Right. You know, that's why I waited till why we waited till after the match. Respect. You know? Respect. It was a different situation. Right. Right. Let them do their thing and then yeah, get some, back to brass tacks. Some uh, some uh, gang warfare issues. Fair. Um, Battle lines, territory, and so forth. 
because you still work and do so many different indies and you get to work with so many other people, who are some people that you would like to see brought more into the mix with AEW? I don't know how many I'll do this year, you know, because uh, I kind of was like, I don't want to. What I don't like is uh, I have to be really uh, cognizant of not pushing myself too hard. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause that's, I'm just a very foot to the gas pedal person and I don't know any different. Right. Uh, so if I'm feeling like really great, I'll be like, okay, I'll book myself for six Saturdays in a row and uh, wrestle 20 minutes on dynamite every week. And you get halfway through that and you're like, oh man, I'm pretty beat up. Maybe I should take a week off, but then it's too late because if I do an indie show now, it's, you have to be there. Now all the tickets are sold and, the whole thing's like built around me and streaming it and everything. And it's like, I can't just call off. Yeah. And so I have to go. And, uh, and, and then, you know, and then, you know, I have this commitments to AEW, like the thing with OTT the other week, you know, I was right. fucking furious about just because totally happy to do a house show. You tell me you're going to do a show and I only have to drive 90 miles to Troy, Ohio. Yeah. Great. What, what better way to spend a Saturday night? You got to bring your dad in there. But, yeah. But I didn't like getting, I was already, booked on the day yeah so now i it's just this weight that you know the days i missed like when i was in rehab i missed the defy show and whatever else and they eat a bunch of aw shows and pay-per-view and having that weight on my back of like a date i feel like i gotta make up i feel so bad about it yeah i hate having that weight so now i still have to go to ott when are you going? Can I make a trip out of it? I don't know. I probably shouldn't even advertise it because I don't want to jinx it at this point. I'm just going to show up one day, <laughs> but I will make that date up. So sorry about that unfortunate uh, circumstance, fans in Ireland. But uh, I've been doing a lot with uh, the Wrestling Revolver, mm-hmm. which is uh, my former partner. Well, I'd still have a team with him this year. Uh, Sammy Callahan. Yeah. It's his promotion. And Sammy is a hell of a little promoter man yeah and always has been he used to run a little company called lucha core back in the day he's a hustler and i mean that in the best sense like yeah. he works his ass off on all kinds of you know he's good with like graphics and media and stuff like that he'd make a he'll make a highlight video or a preview package or something in a day yeah you know and it looks great yeah uh, what a skill to have i wish i had that skill so yeah. bad he, we make a good uh partnership for revolver because he loves to do all the stuff that i would never do right i don't want to be a promoter i don't want to look at logistics i couldn't imagine you editing a video i don't like when you take my picture oh god i don't know how to do anything i can barely work my phone you know so <laughs> but i, I don't want to you know handle money and booking and all this stuff you know but I love wrestling and the coaching and you know, being there, you know, to mm-hmm. do meet and greet, all that kind of stuff, you know, cool. So he handles one part and I handle another part, you know, so that's been a great yeah. partnership. Got some stuff cooking. A lot more cooking for this year. I think they got a, some shows in Iowa with a really great crowd out there. Okay. Like thousand people out there on the reg. And we just started kind of building the audience here in Dayton at a little building date maybe move to a bigger building eventually but we're just building the audience here and get all kinds of i mean you kind of said that as soon as you got into cincinnati that you really want to make cincinnati more of a wrestling city so the wheels are in motion it was like a hotbed you know back before you know there might not have been a reputable school on every corner right 
there wasn't as many places to train and it was still a little bit more of a secretive kind of, you know, there was a little bit more barrier to entry and where the internet was like it is now, you know, people used to come here to Cincinnati from all over the country yeah. and all over yeah. the world. For instance, Nigel McGinnis traveled all the way here from England to Cincinnati to train. And this is where the, the original film and memorial shows were. Right, and, right. You know, there's a lot of history here with like NWA and stuff. So you can find a lot of old, cool posters from like Cincinnati Gardens. Oh, I want to find some of those. Well, I got you that one, but it, I actually don't like the way that it came. I wish it was like a legit poster. It's like on a board. I wish I got like the like a more of an original version of it. It's cool. Yeah, but, you know, this is the very, uh, you know, I love Cincinnati, man. It's like, I can't imagine coming from anywhere else. It feels so good to be home. Isn't know? it nice? Like, it's not my home, but, like, I I get, like, sort of, like, the residual your home, that, like, comfort level. But it, it feels like home to me because there's something very, like, Ontario about it. I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, same deciduous forest. Yes, it's the la- yeah, the landscape is right. nice. Yeah, because it's a big city, but it's still a small town. Yeah, you know, and you got everything here, but you know, it's still kind of uh, it's a little urban, a little country, you know, a little bit of uh, everything. And I'm just, I'm very happy to be back in a city. Oh my god, I'm isn't it ci- so nice? I'm a city person. See, like Claudio lives. Out in the wilderness outside of Orlando. Yeah, taking down wasps' nests and shit. Compound. I mean, the great thing about it is he built that gym out there. Oh, right. So he's got like, he's out in the sticks, man. You're building a gym currently. I am. The basement. If it ever gets done. Did you go down there today? Is there water down there? Yeah, there's no water. Oh, good. Huge. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm building a physical location for the Blackpool Combat Club in my basement. Just how I can join? Can I join the Blackpool Combat Club? He's ignoring me, everybody. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be, you know, basically, you know, kind of like a heart dungeon kind of scenario. Hell yeah. All right. Well, it's a really old, I'll be, very dungeon. I'll be the basement. Helen Hart. So we had to pour a concrete floor and seal all the walls and waterproof it. And it's been a. The house is coming together. Yes. Put it together. But once it's, uh, once, once it's, it's done, it's going to be awesome. Very yeah. simple. Mat space, heavy bags, weights. Simple, you know. We'll be able to train. We can train wrestlers here. We can train jujitsu here. We can train anything here. You know, you can come down and do your fucking Pilates or whatever. Okay. You can do anything. Can I put a Pilates machine down there? A little reformer machine? No, but you can. Okay, you can use it when I'm out there. Just okay, clean up, clean up after yourself. I am so excited, Barbie Blank, here on my podcast, On The Sessions. I feel like I saw you at that signing out in Nashville when we were at StarCast. And I was like, oh my God, I had not seen you in so long. And I was like, we've got to do this. We've got to get you on the show. Um, I happened to reach out to you last week, which um, ended up being really perfect timing to talk to you because you're at a very interesting time in your life. I am. (laughs) You got the exclusive interview, I feel like. I know. Feels so exclusive. I exclusively gave it to um, Entertainment Tonight. So they were like, we wanted the exclusive, but you're doing the first podcast since the baby announced. Yay. (laughs) Oh my God. I could not be happier for you. 
What, like, this is just so great. Tell me just like how you're feeling. I have like 45 million different questions because <laughs> as like a mom and like newer into this world, I just, I'm so fascinated by it. I love it. It's just such a cool time in our lives. So how do you feel? I feel great. We're in the second trimester. The first trimester was pretty rough, but you know, I've been dreaming, like I've been, we've been, me and my husband have wanted to have a family for almost two years. Um, and I've been very open and public about our journey and my IVF journey, um, my miscarriage. Um, and I just feel like everything happens for a reason. Like it was meant to like because we just got such amazing results with, we did IVF and I was so blessed to have an amazing doctor for that. And we did an embryo transfer and we got pregnant and it was just like, the stars were aligned. The timing was right. Like everything just was like perfect. And, you know, I've dreamed of motherhood. So now going into it and being on this journey, um, definitely, like I said, the first trimester was rough. The morning sickness was really <laughs> I mean, I didn't leave my house, I feel like for like a month and a half. I just need to chill. Like I haven't worked out. I was like, my doctor was like, we're not, you're not working out. Like just chill. Yep. Let your body make some, make a baby. Yeah. Which for me is really hard. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know about you, Renee. I feel like you're the same. Like you just can't be sitting for a lot. Like you're like, what am I doing? Like I need to be doing something. It took me a long time to get pregnant as well. And it's funny. Like, I want to actually get into all of the IVF stuff with you because I think just the more we can all be educated on that, the better. Because I was just about to start doing IVF, had all the medication. It was in the fridge, did all the appointments. And it's like a whole rigmarole that the doctors put you through where it's like they're checking your ovaries or checking your uterus or doing like the dye testing of your fallopian tubes, like all. All of these crazy things that they put you through. Um, for me, it felt a little bit scary where they were like, you guys are going to have to do IVF, which I was like, hey, whatever we got to do, let's do it. Let's just start the process. Anyways, we had all the medication in our fridge and then I got pregnant that month. I hear about that all the time too, that women are about to start the cycle and they get pregnant. And it's just like, that's so amazing. I was secretly hoping that that would happen. I was like putting that out there. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, but you know, it's a process. But it's really hard. No, I know what you mean of just like being busy and wanting to do stuff. Like I felt pretty good during the majority of my pregnancy. So I was still like feeling pretty active, but there are days that it just like, oh, it takes you out at the knees. You're just not used to feeling that level of exhaustion. Like your body is making a person. <laughs> I know. I know. It's wild. It's wild. Oh my gosh. You okay. to remind yourself sometimes of I that know. too. And you're like, oh, I need to do this. No, it's like, no, I'm growing a human. Let me just chill. (laughs) It's funny too. I find like in your head, because like, I'm sure you're like on all the apps. They're like, it's like the size of a poppy seed. And now it's a sesame seed. And now it's this and da, 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 da. Which is like such an exciting time. Like I love waking (laughs) up and opening my phone to be like, what size are we at today? But when (laughs) it's teeny, teeny, tiny, you're like, okay, I still feel like I should be able to do stuff. But like, that's really the most important time exactly exactly and I didn't have morning sick I was night sickness so it was like every time I tried to lay down to go to bed I was running to the toilet and I was like this is miserable like I feel like morning sickness I would have been so much more happier (laughs) at least I'm waking up at least you know I'm trying to sleep and I can't sleep and that's like the worst right that's when you need to be sleeping that's when you need to like be getting all that rest and 
you know. Talk to me about getting the positive test. So when you're working with doctors and you're doing the IVF and all that, are you getting the pregnancy test results with them? Are they monitoring every little thing or do you have everything at home with you? Um, so number one, my freaking fertility doctor is a godsend. Her name is Dr. Amy and she is, her nickname is the egg whisperer and she really <laughs> is the egg whisperer, let me tell you. I've been working with her for almost a year and we've tried, we tried a few different things before IVF and- um, both- What did you guys do before? What were some of the things that you guys did before? like three IUIs, which is like basically like a turkey baster. And they just like stick this, you know, and let's take it for a spin, right? (laughs) It's very, I mean, it rarely happens, but it's like, that's what you need to do to try to say that you've tried everything before you went to IVF. So we were like, okay, Um, we did, didn't work. Obviously it was fine. Um, But we got amazing results with IVF. We got five girls and four boys, which is, amazing oh my gosh did you make so you did all embryos with all of them yes and we, well we started out with 20 and then after like the testing after um the genetic testing the like there it goes through a, a bunch of processes and we got it down to nine which is like amazing and we got so lucky that i won't have to do it again <laughs> you know because i've heard of women having to go through it multiple times and i can't even imagine having to do it more than once like it's just, I mean, it's rough, you know, it's just like a rough, you know, every day you're shooting yourself, um, you're doing blood work um, for 10 to 12 days, then you go in and they do the surgery because they basically are like poking at your ovaries and like pulling this out. And like, you are just the size of a whale by the time, because you have just been fucked with, like, they just yeah, tore yeah. your insides apart basically to get these eggs out. And the recovery was the hardest for me. Like, The bed rest was really hard. I was in a lot of pain for like a good week or two. Um, I couldn't work out. I couldn't do anything. And then you're just waiting to hear the results too. I would love to have a second baby. So I feel like I'm like in the trenches right now, kind of going through it again. And it's like every time you hit that window, you're like, is there some way I can find out like a little bit earlier? Like what is the earliest I can find out? I want to know everything. It's so hard. It's just the waiting is the hardest part. And that's the hardest part about, I would say, fertility is like the waiting. Like it is not an immediate thing. It is not like from start to finish. It has been two years for us, basically, that we've been, you know, dealing with this. So it's just like a waiting game and you just have to be patient. You just have to know like it's going to happen. Just have to have faith and like take it a day at a time, you know? It's so hard. Like it's funny after. So after having Nora and like I said, like we kind of, you know, we had. It had been at least a year, I would say, of like trying, having the ovulation kits and trying to track everything at home and nothing's happening. And, um, you know, I went to the fertility, I went to a fertility clinic in Las Vegas when we were out there um, just because I was like, well, if something's wrong, I would like to find out now just so I can get ahead of it rather than waiting another six months. Like I'd rather get on it. Um, But yeah, it's just like there's it's all just such a waiting game. There's so many different things to it. And it's. It's hard, but but then having a baby. And the worst part is like when you're ovulating too, and like you're only doing like two days out of 30 days, you know? And then what if you're fighting? Like there's many times I was fighting with my husband and I was like, oh, don't I don't care. You. We have to do this. <laughs> Suck it up. Like, just, no. <laughs> He's like, this is so unattractive. It really is. You're like, when you have to like 
you have like your science kit out at home and you're like trying to do the math and it's like, okay, well do you like, you're waiting for your ovulation to happen. And then like, you've got like a 24 hour window and it's like if John was traveling or whatever, and you really try not to suck the fun out of the room, but it's also like, this is business. We need to get down to brass tacks here. It's transactional right now. So <laughs> I will not always be like, like I married you. You're going to get this forever. But yeah. But right now we do have an objective. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's such a crazy process. And it's funny because I mean, there's so many, you know, I've got friends that like, you know, they look at their husband and they get pregnant and you know, it's just like, that's just not, not the case for me. And that wasn't the case for you. And, you know, I think just being able to like, to talk about this stuff and, and how it all works. Cause even like with IVF, I think like for people that haven't been through it or don't know how it works, it's like, yeah, like it's so much work. Like you're doing how, like how many needles did you have to do? Well, even after, so we did the IVF and that's like, um, I think you're doing, my doctor was able to do it in one, she put one. And so only one syringe a day, which was great. Um, but then after we did the transfer, I was having to, well, my husband was every night, there's a thing called Lovenox and it's like a blood thinner and you're supposed to shoot that in your stomach. So I shot that week for 10 weeks into the pregnancy every day. So that was rough, um, but you got used to it, but I had bruises all over my belly. Like the first trimester, I was like trying to take pictures of my belly and they're just like bruises. My friends are like, what is happening? <laughs> but it, it was not a glamorous. It's all part of the process. No. But we got, you got through it and now we're great. You know, everything's going great. So. Yay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So tell me just about getting that, like the positive test after going through it and seeing so many negatives and knowing what that feeling's like, because God, does that ever get exhausting and upsetting. So for you to finally see that positive, talk to me about that. Well, like again, the weight. So it's a two week wait um, after you do the transfer and you're just like trying your hardest just to like stay busy or occupied and just like try nothing about it. And my doctor was like, the best way to do it is blood tests. So she's like, go take your blood. She was like, I want to call you with the results. Like I want to FaceTime you. She literally has turned into like a second mother. Like she's just amazing. Um, it took everything in me too not to take a test because you, you could see and you could see a faint line, but I was so scared. I was like, I'm waiting. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for these results. And I just remember I went in for blood that day and I was just texting her every hour. Did you get the results? Did you get the results? She's like, no, no. So as soon as she called me, I knew it was positive because I feel like she would have texted if it was negative. Like I have some bad news, you know, like I feel like she would have. So as soon as she called me, I pick up, she's like, yes. Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. It was like the most amazing, like, I can't even describe it. I was like crying. I was just like, my husband was so excited. Like he, we were just like, oh my gosh, it's finally happening. But then it's so like with um, IVF and with transfers, miscarriages happen all the Does time. Does it happen so higher with that? It's not a higher rate, but I mean, they do happen. I don't know what the, what the rate is or, or what, but you're just, I mean, I feel like cause I went through it too. And I did have some scary moments in the first trimester, um, but then I just had like a low placenta. But still, that's very scary, especially going through it and like seeing blood and you're like, oh my God. So just, just getting through to that 12 weeks, I was like, thank baby Jesus, we are here, we have made it. Yeah. 
it's so cool when you go and like, I still have the picture of it, but when we went to do the first, because it's like, it almost doesn't even feel real. Yeah, you're like, to hear the heartbeat and then to like see the ultrasound, it all feels like this like fever dream kind of leading up to it. You're like, it's real, right? It's real and it's staying and this is happening. And then to see the, to see the, um, the, why can I not think of the word right now? I just said it. The ultrasound. To see the ultrasound and see the baby. And Nora was like this little like gummy bear. She looked literally had like these like little tiny like, oh, my God, so sweet. Just like kept that like in our car when we were like driving around. It's just the coolest thing. Yay. So you're going to be a mom. What kind of a parent do you want to be? How is like motherhood and parenting now that you've like You've had time to think about it and now you've really got time to like wrap your head around it. What are some of the things that you're kind of thinking about as a mom? Oh my gosh, I don't know. (laughs) It's great because my husband is like, wants to be so hands-on too. And he's like, I want to be, I want to do so much. And I'm like, great, you know, like, please. Um, But I just feel like my mom was like, so she was just like so hands-on and like, I really want to just, kind of mimic how she raised us great family values just like always around just um you know just whatever we needed so I don't know I just hope that once the baby comes I'm just like okay like mom mode kids in and I know exactly what to do but I feel like you don't really know you don't really know you're just like hoping for the best right you don't and it's like I feel like you know Nora will be two in June And, you know, we were just having like a whole discussion with like the producers and stuff on this show um, about kids and the different stages they go through. And it's like, I feel like as soon as you think like, okay, I got a handle on this. I know what I'm doing. And then it's like, no, now the kid's in a different stage and now we're adjusting. It's like to go from like her, um, you know, from as soon as they can sit up on their own, you're like, okay, a little independence here. This kid's like coming along to then now she's just like, she's walking, she's talking. It's like, she just is like a little person like that. Like it's so crazy. It's the best. It's so, so cool. But I do feel like being a parent, it definitely makes you, um, it does make you reflect on your own childhood because I, I feel the same as what you were just saying. It's like, I think of how my mom was when she raised us and like, you know, everyone's got some bullshit. Nothing's ever perfect. But like my mom did a really good job of like, yeah, being there and being fun and keeping us engaged. Like we were always out doing stuff like there was. Yeah, I always try to keep that in mind. It's funny on like days that I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so tired right now. I get like the what would Carol do little bubble of like, <laughs> get up off your ass and go find something to do. I love that. Well, it's funny because I have girlfriends who are like, you know, I just we just brought our child and just did all the same things we did before we had to, kids. Like we took them to dinner and we just like really like integrated them into our life, you know, and like. I was like, I love that. Like, I want to do it. Like, I don't want to change my whole life for for my baby. I just want to, like, bring it along with me. You know, no, it's true. I like I feel like it it gets a little nerve wracking. You're like, oh, my God, I don't want to be like that person at the restaurant whose kid is going wild. And this is happening like on a plane. But you just got to like rip the bandaid off and just start doing it. Like I started doing that with Nora. Like I would get up with her in the morning and go, you know, I'm going to take her out for breakfast. And we would just like sit and breakfast is easy because you're not there for very long. And the food comes out pretty quick. So I'm like, we'll kind of dip our toes there. But she does a good job now. Now I don't sweat it. I'm like, we can go out to lunch and take her out for dinner or whatever and she's she's 
pretty good <laughs> for the most part. They're like a different day. I don't know what I'm going to get today. But. Exactly. You never know what these kids are going to throw your way. <laughs> um, well, I'm so excited for you guys. Oh, my gosh. To just like to I know, like just being able to like watch your journey and everything you've gone through. I've been watching it from afar, seeing things on social media and whatnot. And, you know, there's a lot of us in like this age group as well that are like having their babies and we've all, you know, we're all kind of going through the motions with some of that stuff. And anyways, you just kind of, you can see the ups and the downs of that. And I'm so happy that you guys have landed where you have. It's so cool. So cool. Thank you. That means so much. I mean, yeah, it's been such a journey, but we're here and we're just really excited. Do you have name picked out? I do. I do. And we know the gender and we, but we're not revealing anything yet. So we're kind of just like, we have a few surprises along the way that we're going to sprinkle out. Yay. All right. Well, I will be staying tuned to see what everything is. It's all unfolding. Love that. So cool. So talk to me about Joe. How did you guys meet? Give me your guys love story. So we met at the dog park. <laughs> That's where all rom-coms start, I think. <laughs> I mean, it was literally uh, like you could make a movie of how this all went down. Like I lived in this area in L.A. called Playa Vista. And it's like a younger, like hipper kind of area and full of dogs. I got a dog, a Frenchie. And I had lived in this area for probably a year. And my girlfriend was watching my dog one weekend. And she's like, oh, my God, you need to go to the dark park, the dog park. So many hot dudes. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, girl. And so I was like, the next day, I was like, OK, I'm going to that dang dark park. This is the first day I've been to the dog park in a year since I've lived here, OK? So I went in. And I see this, like, tall, tattooed, like, six foot four man. And I, you don't find that in L.A. And I was like oh, I'm going up to him. I was like, I don't even know what he looks like from the face, but from behind, he looks weird. <laughs> so from the back, I'm a like, looking and I'm a liking. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to say like, which one's your dog? Like I already had it in my mind. And I was like, oh, which one's yours? And he turns around. And he's like, oh, the Frenchie. And I was like, oh, so he had a Frenchie too. And an American bully. They started, our dog started playing together. And so we just started talking and I literally just told him my name's Barbie and like I was a wrestler, like he didn't know anything else. And so I see this girl come in who's coming to meet him and I'm like, oh, this is his girlfriend. No, so I was like, yeah. hey, well, bye, like literally exchanged no information. I just like got up and left. So I got home and I kind of geotagged on Instagram, <laughs> Joe Playa Vista to see if I could find him because I was like, maybe I could just like stock his Instagram. I don't yeah, know. I sure. I mean, that's a great jumping off point. Well, I was like, you know, I tried. I couldn't find him. And I was like, well, if it's meant to be, I'll see him again. So a few days later in my DMs, there was Joe. <laughs> and he was like, hey, it was so nice to meet you. Do you want to go to the dog park again? Like Wednesday or something. And I was like, yes, I would love to. <laughs> And then it was funny, like there's a whole story, backstory with him. And like he was, I mean, it was his best friend's girlfriend. They have sister dogs Oh, and they were playing. They were, had a play date, <laughs> but I didn't know that. And then, but he did all this. This is very rom-com centric. I feel like you oh guys could God, write a movie. A whole, it was a whole thing, right? <laughs> but yeah, after our first date, we were like inseparable and. He said he knew after three months that he he was going to marry me. And he got the ring after six, but he waited a year because everyone told him you need to wait a year. 
did he propose in Sedona? You guys were like, up, yeah, like Sedona. on a really pretty hike, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was funny because I, I don't know how he kept that ring a secret from me for six months. We lived together. Like I was like, how do you not find this? And we had a trip to Bali planned, but with COVID we, you know, and Sedona was open. So we we're like, okay, let's go to Sedona. And it was funny that <laughs> we were going on this hike and I was like, oh, can I get like a glass of like red wine before? He's like, yeah, it'll be fine. It's like an easy hike. I'm like, oh my God, Renee, I don't know if you, if this hike was two miles up at what point I was like, babe, I got to turn. I'm so tired. Like, <laughs> I had a glass of wine. Like, let's go eat. He looks at me. He goes, no, no, we're not fucking going. And I was like, wow. You know, I was like, what do you mean? Like, it's not that big of a deal. And he's like, no, you are going to do this hike. I don't care. And I was like, okay. Like, I was like, wow, you were really serious about this hike. Didn't think anything. So I get up this damn hike and we get up there and there's a photographer, which I didn't know she was a photographer. I thought she was just some lady. And she sees us and she's like, oh, do you guys like want to go out to the edge of the thing? And I'll like take your picture. I was like, that's so nice. Yeah, still not. I'm like, that's so nice. So we go to the edge and then that's when he proposes. And he was the photographer and she like did the whole thing. And it was just so, it was like perfect. It was such a perfect dreamy proposal. I couldn't have asked for anything better. And like with the rocks, there's some kind of like spiritual thing, meaning behind that and which was really cool. So I love it. I'm so happy that like everything just seems like it's all aligned. Things work out the way that they are meant to work out. And like I can just see it on your face. Like you look like you are just like beaming and happy. And it's it's so cool. I love it. Well, you know me, Renee, for, like you saw me from, you know, like my past, like all the crap I went through before and like, you know, starting this like new life you know, you don't know what's gonna, you don't know what's in store for you, you know, like your whole life is kind of like, okay, now we're in this new place. And we're just gonna that's see actually what like, that's really, I mean, not like funny, but I guess like, yeah, do you have any advice, I guess, for somebody that, you know, is maybe not somewhere that they want to be and they're, you know, you maybe feel like you're stuck or that it's you don't want to start over again. Like, talk to me about that a little bit. You know, I feel like when everything happened, I had just turned like 30 years old and I had just gotten through a really bad breakup. I lost my dad of a rare brain cancer. Like I, it was like everything went to hell and back. And like, I didn't, after I lost my dad, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Like nobody expects to lose their, a parent, especially at like 30 years old. Right. Like and it was so sudden. It was just like probably one of the hardest things I've ever gone through in my life. Like just trying to figure out, okay, what do I, what am I going to do? What do I do now? And I just remember like I had such a solid group and I still do a solid group of friends who really gathered around me and like, we're at my house every day. We're like, whatever you need, we support you. We're getting me off the couch. Like Brian um, Valentine, who, you know, no, he's like, the best. Become, like my bestie, one of my besties, um, he really was like, I got so lucky with Instagram and social media. Cause after I did WAGS, I had such a, like, I got a good following of men and women. And Brian was like, you know, we should like work. We should start working with fashion brands and like, just start reaching out and like, really like, let's get on your hustle. Let's hustle. And I was like, 
all right, let's do it. You know, let's hustle. And um, he was really like my backbone. He was like, I'll take over manager role. I'll help you shoot the photos. We'll just, we'll have this, like, we'll be a team. And I was like, amazing. And we really did. And I got so many amazing opportunities from that. And I really was able to build a career from that. And that's kind of how everything started. And I think it's just really important to have like a good family or a good group of friends around you, encouraging you, like, you can do this, like whatever you want to do, you know, the world is your oyster at this point. So yeah, I just had a really great support system who got me through. Having the people around you to remind you that, because I know when you're in it, you are in it. You can't see that sometimes. Like you've got your blinders on. It just feels like I am stuck here right now. So to have someone that can give you that nudge and like remind you who the hell you are and to like, let's, let's get it going. Like shout out to those people that like push us through those slumps. It's huge. So with you and Brian working together and doing your social media, and let me tell you, there's not a time that I'm scrolling through Instagram that I just like quickly scroll past one of your photos. I'm like, well, let me zoom in on this. What's happening here? They're always like so beautifully done. The outfits are like not to be messed with. Like you absolutely crush it. How are you going to take this into motherhood? I'm really excited about this new chapter, honestly, with like social media. And like, I feel like this is like a whole new brand market. I haven't been tapped into yet. And I'm just so excited. Um, I've already like, like reached out to so many brands, baby brands maternity brands and everybody's excited. They're like, we can, we want to send you whatever, like whatever you want. Like, <laughs> it's been great. So I'm just I keep to, seeing like, the bump suit ads and I'm like, God, I want to get pregnant just to yes. wear a bump suit. Oh, They're so cute. Suit, the bump suits are so cute. I love like, them. I love them. <laughs> so, so yeah. Good. And like all these fashion brands have maternity lines now. Like it's great. Like I work with PLT. They have their maternity line. So they're really excited. They're like, yes. Oh, I didn't know they had a maternity line. Yeah. I missed the boat on that one. They probably have really cute stuff. Dang. Next one. Sign a girl up. I got you. Girl. Now I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> now I know what I'm doing. I'm ready to rock it. Um, okay. So when you met Joe and you told him that you were uh, formerly a professional wrestler, how did that go over? Did he know anything about it? No, no. So it was great because he didn't. And I think that was the key to our to our relationship in the beginning was like, he didn't know, but he loved it. Like I was in a rumble when we first started dating. So he wasn't able to go, but he watched it on TV. And then the last rumble he was able to come to and he got to see live. And he had these signs, like my friends, it was like him and two of my girlfriends, they had signs and it was the cutest thing. And he was just like, this is proud husband <laughs> moment, you know, like so cool. So, so funny. I feel like when he doesn't know and to walk in and see something like a Royal Rumble and what you guys were able to put on with like the all women Royal Rumbles that you guys killed to walk into that and go, wait, who are you? What is happening? Yeah, and then he's seeing it and he's like, oh my gosh, wow, babe. People really <laughs> like at you. Look you go. Like, I mean, I'm like, yeah, I'd like to think so. I don't know, you know? <laughs> how, how were those experiences for you going back to do the Rumble? I mean, obviously wrestling has changed. Women's wrestling has changed. But for you to, to go back and to really have that moment, I mean, you're, you're right. People are always very excited to see you. 
I just love coming back for the Rumble. I love when they call me and I love when they're like, hey, we want you to come back for this Raw reunion. We want you to win the 24-7 title. We want you to come back for the Rumble. Like, it's just such, it's so cool that I'm still brought into these conversations and I'm still brought up in these meetings of who we want to bring back. Um, and it's just cool. Like, you're like, okay, I made a mark. Like, I, you know, and um, just the reaction of, I think the first, but every time really I've come back for the Rumble, but I was gone for a good five years. Because you were gone before I started. Before I started, you were already gone. Yeah. So I left in 2013 and I didn't come back to do something till like 2018. So it was a long, and I was like, oh my God. And it was the first rumble. And I was like, oh my God, are they going to even remember like who I am? (laughs) Oh gosh. So just remember like waiting for your, and then your music hits and you're like, people still like me. (laughs) But it's just, yeah, it's just so cool. And it's cool because WrestleMania is here. So I'm going to go backstage and debut the belly bump for everybody. Um, So yeah, I'm excited. It'll be cool. Um, I was just had Nikki Bella on the podcast not too long ago and we were kind of talking about just like that, you know, the generation of of you girls and what you guys were bringing to the table. What was your experience like wrestling and putting on the matches and, you know, having times cut and kind of just seeing the way that I guess like the seedlings being planted for what the women's evolution would eventually turn into? I think for me, because I was thrown into it at 19, like I was the youngest female that had been brought up to ECW and I got thrown into ECW, which is like hardcore of hardcore, you know what I mean? And they're throwing me this little young 19 year old who has no idea what she signed up for. I mean, I'm lucky I started there because honestly, I can't imagine starting at Raw or SmackDown because it's just like such a higher level. And I was able to really grow in ECW and I had great, like Tommy Dreamer, um, like RVD, Andrew Tess Martin, who has passed away, who I, you know, who kind of really took me under his wing. And, um, you know, I thank God for him. And everybody kind of treated me like their little sister too. Like they really wanted to take care of me and like kind of protect me. And I I feel like I got tested a lot um, in the beginning. I got like hit with a Singapore cane. I got, I got, oh, I mean, I got, Sandman hit like it was there I mean I just went through it and they I got tested and I think I I proved myself you know because they were like we're gonna see if this girl can handle these things was there a moment that you were like oh I don't know did what did I sign up for did you ever kind of think about walking away I mean the first day I was I was like an exhibitionist and I had to take my clothes off and my poor family who's watching is like what are you doing and I'm like just wait. And they were like, oh my God. And I was like, look, it's only for a few months, I promise. But like, that, just to say that that's how I started, it's just so hilarious. What was like that initial pitch to you for you to go, okay, well, just in a few months, I know we're going to get to this. How was that really brought up to you? Well, it was funny. I was only in developmental for literally two months. Paul Heyman called me. He's like, Barbie, I have this like idea for you. Um, You're going to be like this exhibitionist but like you're gonna have this jealous boyfriend who's gonna come and cover you up every week and you know and he kind of told me like just it's just like storyline get your foot in the door like we know you you can't wrestle yet and um you know but we think it's a good idea and I was like all right well I'm not gonna say no (laughs) let's do it so I remember the first day getting there 
And I remember Kasama. Love Kasama. So Kasama had the had the role of like having to really teach me how to dance. Like this one minute, <laughs> wait, she was wait, like, Kasama taught you to dance. Vince, well, and then it was Vince. Like Vince, we had to go and show Vince, and Vince had his own like he took his jacket off at one point. Was like, I need. And I remember just being like, this is somebody that I used to watch when I was young. And this is Vince McMahon basically telling me how he wants me to do this dance and striptease. And I'm just like, okay. Like, I can almost picture Vince doing that, of like showing you how he wants it done. What really gets me is imagining Kasama showing you how to do it. It was, and then they, they were like, we want you to watch like the Carmen Electra dance tapes. Like, okay, I'll watch whatever, like. But yeah, it was, it was definitely a way to, to enter into the WWE, that's for sure. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing Head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there. And you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in. Chime in. Leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them. Maybe even like, I don't know some constructive criticism if you had it we're all ears god did i open up a can of worms by saying that i don't know be nice be cool in there this has been the sessions